Welcome to the AIRL podcast, the show where we explore the fascinating world of artificial intelligence and its impact on our lives. I'm your host, Mark Kelly, and I'm thrilled to have you joining us today. Each week, we delve into the cutting edge developments, breakthrough technologies and innovative applications of AI right here in Ireland and beyond. As Ireland emerges as a global hub for AI research and development, we're here to bring you insightful conversations with leading experts, entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are at the forefront of this exciting revolution. So get ready to expand your knowledge and be inspired by the incredible possibilities that lie ahead. But before we dive in, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what you hear, we'd love it if you could leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Together, let's spread the AI revolution. Hi everyone, it's Mark Kelly, founder of AI Ireland. Whatever you're doing in the world today, I'm very, very happy for you to join us. A part of our AI Ireland podcast, I have the absolute pleasure to speak with Alistair McKinley. Alistair is CTO of Analytics Engine and one of the first employees within, within the group. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Mark, for having me. Tell us a little bit about your role day-to-day analytics engine, and if you want to give people a little bit of an overview about analytics engine and what the company does, it'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah, so, well, um, just a little bit about my background um, quickly. Uh, I studied electronic engineering um, at Queen's University. I did a PhD in telecommunications and high-performance computing. That was my beginning of my interest in software and high performance computing, actually. So that's how I kind of transitioned into the, the, the role that I have at Analytics Engines, which is more focused on uh, software, obviously, and, and particularly in data analytics uh, and AI. So my role at, at Analytics Engine is really mostly to do with uh, technical assurance and technical oversight, um, customer solution development, uh, technical pre-sales, mostly uh, focusing on the areas of data engineering, data visualization, and increasingly um, AI uh, applications. And uh, um, more recently, obviously, with the uh, step change and the improvement of large language models, we have, as an organization, been heavily focusing on how we can leverage this technology for our customers. And in the podcast today, we're going to actually go into a little bit more detail about that. So just taking on from the services perspective, what type of services do you do you help customers with? Yeah, so um, broadly speaking, our services cover uh, three key areas of, uh, of data solutions and data services. The first is data engineering, and this is kind of a, a broad stroke for any sort of data processing that requires ETL, cleansing, uh, matching, deduplication, um, analysis, exploratory data analysis would be another, um, and integration of different systems. So we have a broad experience and an experienced team of backend engineers who um, can fulfill a lot of um, different requirements in the data engineering space. So that's, um, and data engineering forms a, a part of almost every solution that we offer to our, our clients and customers the um but there are some of our customers whose solutions are almost solely focused on the the data engineering aspect data engineering being the first um offering then we have data visualization so uh, which feeds into that it's really about understanding the trends the anomalies and the 
uh, from a high level your business data and being able to drill into it. So delivering those kind of customized visualization solutions and the data engineering that supports the, the questions that those, our customers want to answer. The third uh, element um, is uh, AI solutions and data science. And this is um, one of our key areas for growth. And we've been operating in this space for a number of years um, with customized data science solutions using um, a ver various machine learning strategies and algorithms and approaches over the years, ranging from simple uh, regressions and classification and approaches and um, more recently, you, you know, using tools like Scikit-Learn and more recently into the deep learning um, arena using PyTorch, TensorFlow uh, and other uh, algorithms based, uh, similar algorithms. So those can be in NLP, computer vision and um, sometimes more niche use cases around things like system modeling. And um, in the, within the last sort of nine months, just a, probably yeah probably a year and nine months you know we've been looking at the applications of the gpt style of large language models and how they can offer significant step change in value for unstructured data processing the great thing alistair is because you got the foundation from the data engineering side you understand having that foundation to do anything within the world of artificial intelligence you have to be, I suppose, firstly, understand the problem you want to try to solve, but you need to have the data fit for purpose and structured and have a governance around it that allows you to not have garbage in, garbage out type scenarios. So having that as a, you know, a strong foundation is very, very helpful for all different types of customers. And people can underestimate when they're going on this data science journey that you know, there's some real challenges around it, you know, inaccessibility data, dirty data, you know, working on the wrong type of problem, the silos of the different types of data, the politics that happen within an organization because businesses don't want to actually hand over the data. You know, they've got certain rights and ownership. Then there's the element of what you actually have to do with that data, who gets access to that data. So for example, there might be employee salaries on that. Who should actually get access to that? Or it could be disciplinary procedure. There could be certain people within the organization that have had certain disciplinaries are private information about health. So there's so many different access points or challenges or concerns that even add into the mix that make this question particularly challenging to go through. And you know, I always say you have to earn the right to start to utilize artificial intelligence. But the interesting thing about LMMs and we've seen with, with, with Meta opening up theirs and you know, it's kind of like this looks like a kind of a tsunami of different kind of uh, changes coming down the road is that there's some, also some low-hanging fruit which companies can actually start to utilize on a generative AI perspective that they could probably plug into different uh, benefits relatively soon compared to maybe, maybe kind of the, the stages of old. Yes, so I 100% agree with you. And I think that the, the area of, of governance and um, embedding AI within a uh, sort of production ready solution requires a number of different roles within the project team. And that's why, you know, at Analytics Engines, we have uh, different teams involved in backend data engineering who would have experience in a lot of the uh, infrastructure, the governance security aspects, uh, ETL automation, all of the things that make a solution um, production ready and uh, 
Then we have the data science team, obviously, who are experts in leveraging the AI technology and LLMs. And we also have our in-house um, front-end team who work on customized solutions. So, and that, that is one of our, uh, we feel is an area of strength for us, which is the ability to deliver a very customized solution end-to-end -end for our customers. So, and you're right, that does require a lot of different considerations other than just how can we use AI in within the solution? Uh, but on the, the topic of low-hanging fruit, I also agree. I think there's an awful lot of advanced use cases that are possible with new advances in large language models. And some of those are uh, a very, very sophisticated, complex task that maybe um, people still are not aware that they can achieve with uh, using these technologies. But, but, on the, but on the subject of low-hanging fruit, most people within an organization are dealing with text data on a daily basis. Whether that is writing emails, whether that's writing documents, whether that's interpreting text, summarizing, collating information, LLMs out of the box and web interfaces to those LLMs like ChatGPT um, can immediately uh, enable organizations to take advantage of this technology from a productivity perspective if the users are educated in, in how to leverage that technology and how to use it to its best effect. Obviously, there are considerations around governance, and we've seen a number of high-profile cases around data leakage uh, into some of these web interfaces. And, but I think that the market is racing to address these concerns around data privacy and governance. And the, uh, part of the, um, the partnership between OpenAI and, and Microsoft has um, and a lot of the work has gone towards alleviating some of these concerns. OpenAI themselves now coming up with ChatGPT Enterprise with different kinds of uh, enterprise-grade guarantees about privacy and um, IP protection and the use of data or not using data to, to train models is a very important step for uh, uh, the risk of more risk-averse organizations uh, being able to leverage this technology. And as I said, people are working with text every day. And this is where the step change in, in large language models has occurred in the last year, which is the ability to understand, interpret, and generate text when we're talking about ChatGPT. Obviously, there are other types of generative AI in the image and video space. That's probably less my area of expertise. But in the text space, you know, there is this enormous step change in capability. And that is where we have that sort of ability to do some productivity enhancements just by simple cognitive offload. So a lot of the day-to-day um, -day office um, and corporate world requires reading and writing text, interpreting, summarizing, generating new text. And some of that is not really um, with a significant sort of cognitive load on the um, the member staff undertaking those tasks. Some of these are kind of boilerplate tasks that, and this is where the current state of LLMs fits in perfectly for productivity enhancement. It's allowing you to delegate some of that cognitive load, which is not particularly complex tasks to a large language model to increase your productivity. So, you know, I, I find myself doing this on a daily basis now. Um, and my, I, I do a lot of, still do a lot of development work here at Analytics Engines, particularly on the the uh, product side and the data engineering um, aspects of the product. And 
you know, I, I find myself talking to, to ChatGPT either to, uh, you know, validate some ideas or maybe to write a few lines of code or to, um, you know, uh, analyze some approaches. And uh, it's fantastically useful for increasing our productivity. And I think that um, this is probably currently underutilized in most organizations and not leveraging yeah. the state of the art to the best. And there's two points in there, Alistair, because the first is, you're very impressed what Microsoft and OpenAI are doing because they're, they obviously understand privacy by design. They understand that if companies are, are going to use it from an enterprise level, they have to have certain guardrails to say, you know, it's safe to use and we can, we can manage it. If that box gets ticked, people are going to feel an awful lot more comfortable to use it and they'll, they'll start to, rather than kind of like a shadow IT, you know, shadow GPT kind of function in, in, in the backdrop. You've also got the AI Act, soon to be ratified, which again is going to add extra substance around that from the privacy and peace of mind perspective from, from people kind of watching that. But then when you, from a listener or a, you know, listener listening in for, or maybe from a novice perspective, you can imagine you've got a customer service agent that that is got dealing with an issue with a customer. There is a lot of customization and follow through and trying to get summary of information, content commentary that's happened before with that customer. ChatGPT can summarize that for a few sentences. That can actually give you, well, this is what's happened before. Here's the next best action on what you should do. Here's a template of an email that you can actually do as a follow-up back with that customer. So the customer agent is still in the, the loop. They, they're actually making sure what goes out, what gets said, but it's, it's making it so much quicker because you might have to open up your computer, go through the summaries, get the logs, you know, and it could be on disparative systems. If you've got one version of the truth, then that customer agent is kind of like a ninja. They've got so many different special powers to finish the call, customer satisfaction increases, and it's just a lot smoother processes. And then there's incident management, and then there's the engagement piece. So I think as the novice, the customer, more customer-centric uh, case studies come to market, people are gonna feel a lot more confident about using that. Yes, uh, I, I agree, and I think the um, some of the uh, use cases that you kind of outlined there are all possible, right? So, you know, uh, we're there. There are several kind of layers of sophistication to leveraging large language models. The first being um, assistant type, like like a ChatGPT, where we're just copying and pasting text into web interface. There, um, the, one of the, the the next layers of sophistication is retrieval augmented generation, which is really what you're describing in the terms of a call center application, where perhaps the customer service agent is dealing with a client and they have some details or order numbers or customer reference numbers or something like that that helps identify their issue or the person. Um, a, a an AI enabled system. It's it's not just a large language model because we're a large language model, it just takes text and in and outputs text. So to make that part of a solution, it has to be embedded with other tr more traditional kind of software tools. Now you can allow the large language models to suggest actions that may incorporate some of those traditional tools, uh, like retrieving data. So if we have retrieval augmented generation in the customer call center, for example, that might mean looking up customer information about an issue about their their records, about their their contact details, 
um, about the uh, you know some kind of um, um, multiple touch points that may have occurred with the customer, summarizing, suggesting all of that stuff. That's retrieval augmented generation, where we have um, given the large language model access to databases for grounding within the uh, the corporate data or the customer data, as opposed to just making things up. Um, purely from the weights that has been, it has been trained with, which is why we see the issue of um, hallucination sometimes in large language models, because large language models just predict the next word uh, the, at, at their core, right? They can, they can be um, adjusted with policies to uh, deal with more challenging situations, and we're, we're kind of already seeing that with the um, advances in uh, the, the more recent versions of the GPT models. But inherently, they just predict the next word. They may just produce plausible sounding text. It doesn't have to necessarily be a fact that it is um, outputting. And sometimes that's why people find that it generates wrong, incorrect facts or made up sentences at all, is these hallucinations. And when we add retrieval capabilities into those systems for retrieval augmented generation, that we're grinding the model and giving context in within the prompts to the text prompts as opposed to just asking the model to zero shot try and try and answer a question so these are all really important considerations to getting the most out of this technology i think that retrieval augmented generation is actually one of the core building blocks of most of the high complexity and high value solutions that we are capable of now building with large language models so i think that's kind of the second layer of sophistication the, the more uh, higher levels of sophistication, which are currently probably in some companies are using these to a small degree, but it, they're not in widespread use just yet, are the fully autonomous agents or semi-autonomous AI agents that are able to outsource the planning of actions to. Uh, you also give them access for retrieval augmented generation, other tools like searching the web, like code interpreters, like calculators, like semantic search engines. So giving these AI agents access to all of these ways to retrieve data and to perform other actions, you can conceive of more complex systems that can really automate multi-step tasks that may have multiple decision points and outsource those decision points and the interpretation of data from say websites or from emails or from PDF documents to large language models. That's the, in my view, currently the kind of state of the art um, of what's possible or the limitation of, of what's possible with current large language models. But I, I, I think it's much higher than, than people realize at the minute what is possible to, to automate using these approaches. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think what people also need to understand is that the worry about the hallucinations is you don't know what it's going to say unless you've actually had very specific prompts, guardrails around that, and that trial and error because <clears throat> there is drift. You know, it's it, it, what I can tell you today versus what I'll tell you tomorrow can go off either way if your prompt or your questions are different. And you know, as an example, if you're working, if you want the you, let's say car rental, and you want to get a cost of a sat-nav. I might say, fantastic, I want to book my car. 
but what's the cost of the sat-nav? And they might say, well, it's 30 euro extra a day. But my use of words sat-nav versus someone who's from Croatia, they might call it sat-navi, or they might call it SN. And they've all got their own colloquial type words that can make things very complicated, like a spaghetti bolognese scenario, because what you think about how you approach it, well, let's add some different languages to the mix. Let's add some different types of ways of engagement. So things can get complicated very, very quickly. So you do need that expertise in shaping and guiding you through the different possibilities, because sometimes people can think it's very, very straightforward. But what we've seen is it's anything but. And if you get it wrong, that customer experience is lost. And you're probably better mm -hmm. off not having it in the first place because people prefer a consistently bad experience rather than an up and down yo-yo experience because at least they know what they're going to get. Yes, and I think you, you've touched on a number of really important issues when it comes to the current use of these technologies. So when it comes to drift, right? So um, I've already seen this in, in work that I've been doing for our customers um, with the using the say OpenAI API. Um, the, the current um, practice for these kind of APIs is that they're an HTTP API hidden behind, you know, your your REST request for uh, I, I want to put it I want to send it some text and get some text back. Um, the we don't really know because of the nature of the those APIs. We we don't one hundred percent know what has changed in the model. They are constantly introducing additional policies for uh, to prevent things like jailbreaks to um, for safety uh, considerations. They're updating the model with new data, and that uh, introduces a, a problem for for users of these APIs because there they will have changes in the output. So I, I do think this this is fixable, right? Uh, because um, with improved versioning of, of models in the cloud, we should be able to ensure that we get deterministic responses or at least relatively deterministic um, because there are obviously some, some knobs we can tune and the kind of randomness that we get from the outputs. But roughly speaking, you hope that you get similar response to similar question when you use an API, say one week as opposed to the next week. But at the minute, that may not always be the case. And this is something that we have to be very vigilant of when um, uh, building these solutions. And it also introduces the, you know, uh, another possible remedy to this problem, which is the growing capability in the um, open source community to deploy models locally as opposed to in the cloud. So with the release of several open source models like uh, Llama and Llama 2 from Meta, there you have the capability to actually use fixed weights. So the models should produce similar outputs and do not drift. So um, obviously there is a, an engineering challenge for organizations who wish to go down that route at the minute to deploy local models, but for Solution builders like ourselves, you know, this this is an option, right? An option is perhaps we have other options of just using APIs, and that um, introduces other challenges because some of those models are not as strong and maybe not able to solve problems in the same way as say GPT-4. Um, 
but they do have the advantage of uh, perhaps being lower cost to utilize and relatively deterministic outputs. So these are some of the yeah, major considerations um, when building these kind of solutions today. And I think the landscape will change undoubtedly, uh, given the pace of change we've seen in the past uh, year. But uh, these are certainly issues that we have to try and deal with today. The yeah. one of the other, um, just quickly, things you touched upon was the sort of language issues. And um, this is another important challenge. And we, language models are really strong because they've been pre-trained on enormous amounts of data, uh, like trillion tokens or whatever, or probably several trillion in, in some cases. And we hope that they've seen enough examples of those sort of colloquialisms, those variations, um, but it's possible they haven't, particularly as language changes. So this is why I think you know, we will see um, um, the capability of some of these APIs to allow us to fine tune using extra data sets. I think uh, you know, uh, Open API, Open AI have already indicated this that there, there, there's some capability to to fine tune uh, the produce fine tuned versions. Uh, using, I think, using things like LoRa um, to um, add additional data and perhaps fine tune some of that. So these are, although the, the GPT models are super strong out of the box because they've seen so much data, they can reason very well about text and interpret and generate text very well. There are still some scenarios where, where that might not be good enough. Yeah, I think the reality is, is the next 12 to 20 weeks, I think we're going to see even more changes. And the way the world of technology is going is, is becoming more simpler. The, you know, OpenAI were very, very effective by giving us an interface that where, where there's a technology already there before. And people are demanding that simplicity. So if the mm -hmm. company that can come up and provide something that's very, very straightforward and simple to use, and then people can, like yourselves, help navigate through the process, the people can start to have positive impact in a relatively short time, but they just don't want to invest the time poorly if they don't necessarily know what they're doing because it's just going to be a very bad experience across the whole organization and then their customers. So try to get it right. Um, but me, for example, I'm just so excited. I think by the end of the year, it's now coming into September, the changes I think there, I think it's going to be even more further advanced for, for corporations. It's a really exciting time for small businesses and not to mention large enterprises, because they can really take advantage of this. Alistair McKinley, CTO of Analytics Engine, thank you very much time for your time today. Thank you for having me, Mark. Great talk. Membership AI Ireland placed your organisation at the centre of the fastest growing technology sector in the world today. As a member, you'll have access to a diverse and highly engaged professional community, which is committed to driving artificial intelligence forward in Ireland. Membership AI Ireland is for any organisation, including data and analytics. We offer memberships to corporate, government and SME organisations. Interested to find out more, contact mark at AIawards.ie.